Welcome to Spotlight Conversations with voice talent and DJ Donna Reed. Donna talks music and media from her sunny linoleum-free studio. Come on in. Yes, come on in. Thank you for listening to another edition of Spotlight Conversations, where I talk to people in music or in media. This week, it's about music. Talking to a singer-songwriter from Poetry, Texas, Scott Sean White talking about his new CD, Call It Even. And when I heard he was from Poetry, Texas, I thought, it it just fits. It's it's perfect. Yeah, doesn't it? I know that's right. First of all, thank you for having me. And um, I really appreciate it. And Poetry is about 45 minutes east of Dallas, out in the sticks. And uh, we've lived out here for about five years now. And and that is definitely um, part of the reason... Uh, we made an offer on that house immediately. <laughs> because of where it was. Sure, I, I understand I that. Like, Wait a minute, I'm a songwriter and this is poetry. Uh, we belong here. <laughs> yes, you do. I was looking at your Facebook page and I see there's a new single, Humankind, and a video goes yep. with that. Tell me a little bit about making the video. Um, yeah, I reached out um, to a, a bunch of fans and friends and family um, and asked for pictures or short video clips of people being kind to each other, mm. uh, as many as possible in as many areas as possible, um, because we didn't intend the the photos and the clips to go right along with the story of the song, because the first verse tells a story, the second verse tells another story, mm-hmm. and um, and we didn't want to limit. Um, the kindness <laughs> to just those stories. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm just so thankful to everybody that responded to that. Um, you know, I even asked, hey, do you have friends involved in, in the charity organizations or homeless organizations or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and so we got some folks uh, uh, in those areas and, and, uh, and then we just collected a whole bunch of those and then sifted through them to see which ones, um, you know, uh, fit the best and work the best. And, um, and then, you know, it took a while to figure out what order to put those clips in and where to integrate the, the scenes of me playing and singing the song too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was fun and we're really proud of the way it came out. How long did it take you to write the song? Did a bunch of thoughts come in your head and you just went in there and did it? Or um, I wrote that with my friend Helene Cronin, and it took us uh, a couple of different writing sessions over two different days, a few weeks apart, as I remember, to write it. We uh, we talked for a while just about kindness as we were trying to figure out how to write the song, mm-hmm. um, how to convey that message without blatantly just saying, be kind, you know. And uh, so we talked for a little bit about her oldest daughter, who was a hospice caregiver for like seven years. And um, that's kind of where the first verse came from. And then uh, we talked about bullying a little bit because I got bullied when I was younger. I, did, I didn't grow till I was a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as I like to say, it shows I was not always six foot four and 235. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. And, Things uh, come up good later down the road. So Right. So when I grew, I had a you know, I had a different heart uh, for those those kids and those people who hadn't grown yet. So that's kind of where the second verse came from. And then we talked about my brother Joey a lot, 
that day. Um, Joey had Down syndrome, and he passed away in uh, February of 2016. And uh, he had lived with me and my family, uh, my wife and my kids and I, for most of my adult life. And um, But, you know, anybody that's been around special needs kids, um, uh, Down syndrome kids, know that they're just like the best at being kind to mm-hmm. folks and loving folks and and uh, so we talked about him a lot that day, and uh, it was significant because that was about two years after Joey passed when we wrote the song, and it was significant because I, I that's the most that first day we were working on the song was the most I had talked about Joey um, and been okay, you know, and not felt like okay I'm about to collapse on the floor here. <laughs> so it was good for you too. So Joey inspired a lot of your songwriting since he was with you most of his life then. Yeah, yeah. Most of my adult life he lived with me. He was he was older than me by about nine and a half years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was he was uh, eternally a little brother. Nashville well Texas Nashville songwriter. I'm sure you've yeah. made many trips to Nashville, but why why that? And who do you work with when you're up in Nashville? Well, I am a, I'm a staff writer in Nashville, um, and I've been going back and forth to Nashville to write uh, once or twice a month for the last 17 years. And in the last probably three years, it's been twice a month all the time, except during the pandemic. We had like a four-month break there. But mm-hmm. um, So I go up there. I'm, I'm there two weeks a month. I generally try to do it every other week. Um, and I have a... I have a little, you know, most writers who've been in Nashville for a while have uh, their tribe or their little crew. You know, they have Mm -hmm. a set of folks um, that they write with a lot. And that's that's true of me as well. Um, Friends that I've just written with for, you know, uh, anywhere from five to 15 years. And then, you know, my publisher books me with some new folks every now and then other publishers, writers, mm-hmm. um, and, and books me with artists that are on record labels and things like that. You know, it's, uh, it's not your typical job right. uh, situation <laughs> where you, uh, where you apply for it. You, uh, you just kind of go up there and, and 99.9% of us, uh, when we go to Nashville, we have a lot to learn. <laughs> like we're, we're not ready when we get there. Yeah. So you go in, you get your butt kicked on a regular basis, day uh-huh. in and day out. You go to shows at night and you hear songs that kick your butt night in and night out. Uh-huh. And you just work on it and you work on it. And then you play some shows and somebody hears a song of yours that, you know, is actually okay and mm-hmm. decent. And they go, Hey, I want to write with you. And then, you play some shows and somebody hears you and they go, hey, you know, a publisher happens to be there that night. And they go, okay. hey, come to my office and play me some more songs. And, and, you know, you can also bring demos. Sometimes they're like, you know, uh, just play me some of your demos, uh, demo recordings that you've made, if you've made any. But most of the time, yeah, you just sit there and, and play your guitar and sing. And, uh, and, you know, if they like that, they'll usually like well let me book you with some of my writers because they want to see how it goes and get feedback from their writers about all that and um it's really um that town like any business is all about relationships Mm -hmm. and relationships are only built over time Mm -hmm. and um so you got to spend the time there uh and even when that process starts with the publisher it's it's all about relationships you know um 
and who you know and who you've gotten to know and they've gotten to know you and they refer you to this publisher who they know you know likes your kind of songs and likes writers like you and you know things like that so um just kind of work your way up and in if that makes sense it does who did you work with and the first time you were able to work with a uh, a well-known relatively well-known songwriter uh, what was that like well, you know, that was back in like 2007. I got my first publishing deal mm-hmm. and I got put in the room with a whole bunch of people that I was not ready to be in the room. With. <laughs> you know, that's I a mean, good I thing, though. That, Isn't that a good yeah, thing in a way? I sure do appreciate that publisher giving me uh, that opportunity. <laughs> but looking back, I'm like, I'm like horrified. Like, I was not ready to be in the room with them. And one of the ones that always stuck out was a guy named Walt Aldridge. Uh-huh. And he wrote that Ronnie Millsap song, um, There Ain't No Getting Over Me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. And he also wrote uh, I Loved Her First by Heartland, that that father-daughter dance song, I Loved Her First. Oh, I, right. Oh, I that's a great song. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He wrote a bunch of stuff, and he was great. But yeah, it's uh, it's intimidating at first. But the cool thing about most of those, you know, I'll call them big writers. Mm-hmm is that when you get in the room with them, they're hardly any of them have any kind of ego at all. That's one of the most beautiful things about Nashville and the Nashville community, the songwriting community, is, you know, you walk in a room with somebody, like I write with a guy now um, named Doug Johnson who wrote Three Wooden Crosses and mm-hmm. uh, Love Like Crazy and ton of stuff. And, and uh, I was terrified the first time I wrote with him. I ain't gonna lie. I mean, terrified, like shaking, playing the guitar, terrified, right? <laughs> and, um, but he even, you know, that day was just so gracious and was just like, hey, this is just a writing session. We're, we're throwing around ideas and we're going to work on this. And it was just like any other writing session, except that dude had a, you know, hits. But why do you think egos are better in check with songwriters? Why are songwriters, where are they coming from? You know, my theory about that would be that, and that's a great question, by the way. Um, my theory about that would be that um, songwriters in general um, who are any good at it, mm-hmm. they're just real people. They've been, they've been through some stuff, probably, is part of the mm-hmm. reason they're songwriters. And they're just down to earth. And also, too, if you write good songs, um, you know that, a lot of time you had very little to do with it. You know, that old thing about, I just hold the pen. Oh yeah. I've heard it. <laughs> you know, and, I've heard that. and, and God writes it. Um, I mean, there's a lot of work involved. I don't have many songs these days that fall out in, in 20 minutes or an hour. Um, not songs that I'm proud of that I play out every now and then one will come that way. But most of the time, like we're working our butt off for hours or days on a song. I'm just saying that we're aware that, we've been given a gift and this is not completely us that's doing this. And, um, and it's just a cool community like that. Um, that, you know, you, you, once you walk in, it's like, you know, I'm writing with a guy now uh, renamed nameless, but he's, uh, he's, he's maybe the, my favorite songwriter on the planet. And I've been writing with him for a little over a year now. And it's just like any other writing session, crazy to me and cool. And it must be that feeling of hearing an artist sing your song, whether you wrote it yourself or you had four other your friends or acquaintances write it with you. It must be quite a feeling to be in a stadium 
and hear your song. Yeah, I've um, I've had one number one song in the state of Texas. Uh, a friend of mine named Jesse Robb Jr. recorded it. I wrote it with Kyle Level, mm-hmm. and um, Jesse would open for Cody Johnson. Okay, and still does from time to time. And so I would go to those arena shows, and that's the first time I had ever heard one of my songs um, in country music at, at anything big like that in an arena. And that was pretty cool. Um, it's called uh, Good Times. It's just a good honky-tonk country song. Mm-hmm. And um, and I appreciate Jesse for recording it. And those were those are cool memories. And then, you know, I have some famous people who will go unnamed at the moment uh, who have recorded songs, and hopefully they will be on the radio uh, soon. We shall see. Who inspired you yeah. to write? when Growing up as a kid in Texas, was that your... I'm going to Nashville, I'm writing songs, and then eventually performing. What is, who inspired you? Well, that's a great point, too, and a great question, because um, as far as who inspired me to write songs, I would say um, maybe not particularly write songs yet, but my uh, one of my brothers, Daniel, um, who passed away a few weeks ago. I'm sorry. Um, when I was, uh, thank you. When I was a little kid, he played acoustic guitar and played Jim Croce songs and John Denver songs and mm-hmm. and James Taylor. And I used to sit at the corner of the bed and watch him play those songs. And I was pretty much mesmerized by all of it. That was, as I remember, kind of the beginning of me falling in love with music. And uh, and then I grew up, uh, ended up playing in a 10-piece funk disco R&B band for almost 30 oh, years. Did you? Um, yeah, and um, I didn't start playing guitar or learning how to play until about 2008, and I didn't get serious about it till about 2010. But yeah, and I I didn't even like country music in my 20s and early 30s. I hated it. And um, but I wrote hip hop and R and B up until that point, and then as I got older, you know, uh, and started dealing with some of the stuff that came from my childhood. Um, uh, I grew up out in the sticks and uh, in Kerrville, Texas. Okay. And so the stories I had to tell were country stories. They, they couldn't tell them in R&B and hip hop. So when I got into my 30s, I started to try to write some of that stuff, and it kind of came out country. And then in 2005, I started going to Nashville. So I'm talking with Scott Sean White, singer songwriter from Poetry, Texas. And just taking what you just said and finding out more, you put a lot of yourself in these songs. Were there different things during your childhood or what was it that made you go oh you know country music is that's more for me I feel like I can write songs for country um you know I told my my wife and people around me when I went to Nashville the first time in 2005 and I started going on a regular basis I feel like I've finally found uh my musical home like the place I really belonged Mm -hmm. um and I think that's because of uh, in Nash- in Nashville, the lyric is king, and the stories are king, and real life is king, and um, and that's what resonated with me. And um, when I uh, started choosing songs for this record, you know, it was a 15-year collection of songs I had to choose from, from 2005 until. 2000 there there are songs from 2008 on this record all the way up to 2019 as far as when i wrote them right i just went through and chose songs that were um either personal to me 
like the, the title track of the album is my childhood. Uh, it's called Call It Even. So they're either very personal to me or they just uh, made me feel something, whether they were my story or my co-writer's story or a combination of the two. And um, and the other criteria that kind of was an overarching um, you know, umbrella over all of that was are they something that I want to put out into the world? Are, are they something I want to say and put out there into the universe? So if they met those criteria, they ended up on my record. So that's the criteria is what it takes. I mean, you know, you write so many things. Do you have to say to yourself, hmm, do, do I want to share this with somebody? Is that what you're saying? It's, it's, it's personal. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, and again, I'll, I'll share these songs with whoever in case uh, Garth or Tim are listening um, you can record any of the songs on my album. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm but, sure we'll get the word but, out for you. Um, I also had to be proud of them as a as a writer. Right. That right. was really the first thing I knew. You know, hey, I have to look at that song. And go, hey, I'm I'm proud of the craft of that song. And some of these songs, you know, um, are very well could be picked picked up by somebody later. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they are songs that you know. As a staff writer, you're trying to write songs for other people, um, because if if Tim or Blake or somebody like that records your song, you make a lot more money. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that makes <laughs> than sense. me recording it. But um, along the way, over those you know these 17 years of trying to write songs for other folks, uh, you you end up writing a bunch of songs that are just you. I collected a lot more than just this album, so I have to start planning my second album now, too. Do you ever hear a song you wrote and go, oh, it's, it's, it's interpreted differently? Of course, you have no control over that. You write the song, you sing it the way you hear it, the way you write it. You know, that definitely happens. Uh, I've had a lot of independent artists uh, record my songs, you know, and sometimes uh, you think they nailed it, and sometimes you you don't think they did. <laughs> I know that's nothing. Um, yeah, you can't do but, anything about uh, that. I will tell you the way songs do change, for sure. Is sometimes just you write the song in one frame of mind, and something happens in life mm. uh, that changes the song for you. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of changes your own interpretation of the song, and uh, like the closing track on this CD is called when I go. And, uh, it was born out of, uh, listening to a podcast on the way to Nashville one trip about, it was a preacher talking about, uh, you know, what's really important in life and what really is treasure and what really isn't, and, you know? Um, and so I wrote this song kind of based out of that. And then in the last month, you know, both Daniel passed away and another brother of mine. It's been a crazy month, oh, uh, That's two fine. weeks, uh, two brothers passed away in two weeks, and um, uh, it's changed the way I see that song. It brought all those lyrics very personally into focus, and um, and that that happens a lot over the years with songs. When you wrote "Call It Even," all the songs for the CD that's that's coming out that's out now. When did you start writing it? As soon as you were, you know, everybody shut everything down last March. Did you immediately start collecting and say, "Oh, this song, I, I need to do a CD." This song I want to work on, I want to add this one I wrote in 2008, 2005. When the shutdown happened, uh, it was about three weeks in, and I thought to myself, all these years that I've been saying, at some point I need to do my own album. Um, And I would always follow that with, I don't know when the heck I'm going to have the time to do that. Mm -hmm. About three weeks into COVID shutdown, I was like, well, I have time. (laughs) Exactly, right. (laughs) So, 
<laughs> you know, I was like, I didn't know I had that much time. But I was like, <laughs> nobody no. did. <laughs> no, right? And um, so I started working on it one song at a time, but I did make a list. Uh, it was probably initially the list was probably 20, 25 songs, um, obviously, which is, you know, way too many for an album. But I just, you know, made that list following that criteria and then whittled that down to 12 or 13, ended up with 11. And I just worked on them one song at a time I, because I produced it myself. I would just kind of put the bones together at the house, the mm-hmm. basics. Mm-hmm. And then um, the one of the great things about the Internet, with all the bad things come with it, there's a lot of great things. And one of the things is I could just send the, the files to my friends in Nashville or my friends in Austin, yeah. my friends in Dallas, yeah. and say, hey, you know, put guitars in this, put pedal steel on this, put background vocals on this you know and they'd send the files back and and uh and so the song the record got put together one song at a time pretty much and uh it's i started on it in late march early april and it was mixed and mastered in early october how about touring at the end of this year of 2021 yeah definitely let's hope we need the world to fully open up safely (laughs) <laughs> um, and uh, because especially artists like me, um, I'm a listening room kind of artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I need rooms like the Bluebird Cafe and the you know Nashville and the Saxon Pub in Austin and mm-hmm. and those kind of rooms and house concerts, which are always listening rooms. This record and, and my craft is all about the lyric and the stories, and and uh, you need an audience to be paying attention and listening. So. I say all that, too, because with the COVID thing, you know, those listening rooms will be some of the last ones to open back up because most of them are small. Um, they don't have a ton of capacity in the first place. I, I trust it'll it'll work out, and, and I'm going to get out there uh, as soon as I can. I'm I'm getting my second vaccination shot on Thursday. Yay. So I will be safe. So I'm, I'm happy about that. I'll just go out there as as much as possible as it progresses and hopefully we keep progressing and don't regress at some point and you're doing good things and uh, other artists are noticing are noticing your good things including jack ingram he really likes your music yeah (laughs) yes that's just crazy i met him at a thing in austin a few years back and uh we i played a couple of songs um and he came up to me after that first set we we are all hanging out for about three days it was a little thing called texas songwriter you okay and i played i had played a couple of songs and uh he came to me after the set and he's like man he said uh those are those are the kind of songs that just make me you know make us as songwriters go f you man and so that was uh that was it made me laugh you know um because it's funny my little crew in in nashville um we're called the freak show it's just a little set of writers that plays every wednesday night at uh-huh. this place in nashville and uh that's often been my version of it because i try not to curse is a uh, man that song pisses me off or you know right you're a great song great writer and um so it's funny to meet Jack Ingram, the first time I meet him, he has the same kind of uh, response to uh, songs he's jealous of as we did. <laughs> wow, I guess that's a good that thing. Hilarious. There you go. It and is. Then, uh, and then I just kind of kept, in, you know, I keep in touch with him uh, every now and then via email. He's like, hey, man, you know, send me songs, you know, every now and then. So I 
I did and and do and and then I sent him this album and uh, he responded back and then he sent me that quote and said you know use this for your for your album so very very thankful and kind of mind blown. <laughs> it's wonderful when your peers give you that. Hey, this is good. CD is called yeah. Call It Even from Scott Sean White. Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Subscribe on Apple and Spotify podcasts or your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in.